Hello and welcome to the Doxology Podcast. I am Lucas Stock. And I'm Jens Nelson. This is a podcast dedicated to journeying together on the road that is the Christian faith. Join us as we discuss and investigate theology and the Christian life, striving for unity amongst our diversity as members of Christ's church. So we are kicking off, uh, I think, a pretty exciting little theme month, little month-long series that we've been sort of discussing behind the scenes uh, ever since. For a long time. Yeah, I mean, at least since at least October when we did Heretics Month. Um, it might have been even earlier because I got the tattoo of Jonah in September. Was it that long ago? Yeah, it's crazy. Dang. Yeah. So, um, quite a while, but we are kicking off another theme month. So, for the next four Tuesdays, um, we will be walking through the book of Jonah, one chapter at a time, conveniently. Uh, the inspired chapter divisions mean that uh, it perfectly lines up with a month's worth of episodes. <laughs> there you go. Um, unlike our last theme month, where like our, our Friday episodes will continue a- as normal as we're continuing to walk through the Augsburg Confession, um, but our Tuesday episodes will be devoted throughout January uh, to the Book of Jonah. So you know, J- Jonah January or. <laughs> Joan January or January. Ah, oh, January. I think that's probably going to be the one I'll stick with. <laughs> we, <laughs> well, I don't know I how mean, to spell that, but <laughs> maybe we got ahead of ourselves, bro. It's the new year. Happy New Year! It's a. It's a. We've we've exited 2020. Um, we've we've left behind the old things, and behold, the new have come. Um, true. See, I forgot because uh, the only year, the only calendar that matters, the church calendar. The new uh, year started uh, like over a month ago. Okay, touche. All right, you're right. <laughs> I'm kidding. I just I totally forgot. But happy new year, <laughs> and happy new year to everyone listening. Um, although I guess technically, oh yeah, this is no, this wouldn't. This isn't the first episode that we've released in 2021 because you're right. The first was fr- was was a Friday. So we just we um, recorded it before the new year, so we didn't true. quite say happy yeah. new year. So to those of you who didn't listen yeah. or maybe we should you have did. thought about that. <laughs> <laughs> it's whatever. Oh man. Um yeah, are you I mean, it's the it's the 4th as we're recording this. How has your new year been so far? <laughs> it's been it's been pretty good. I mean, we I don't know. It, I had a long weekend off of work, which is always super nice to get some time off. Um, you know, we we took Hannah's adopted brother's sledding one day, which was a ton of fun. I, I genuinely do not remember the last time I went sledding. Um, so it was like the perfect day, like yeah. 25 degrees, <laughs> like not like the, the, the second hill we went to, there was nobody there. So it was just like, you don't oh, have to worry awesome. about kids walking up the middle and just being loud and in the way. Um so that was fun. That, we did that actually on Friday, and then Saturday and Sunday we just chilled, dude. Like we just took it easy and um, hung out around our apartment, and I don't know, just just kind of hung out. But uh, I'm actually kind of bummed. So the <laughs> um, the Center for Baptist Renewal, as we've t- as we've announced and, and talked about a little bit, is doing a monthly book reading where they go through one historical classic piece of Christian literature from Christian history. And this month's on apostolic preaching, 
I believe is what it was. Um, so I ordered it back in December, like on the 22nd or something. And it's been, I ordered it from St. Vladimir, uh, St. Vladimir's Seminary Press or whatever. And uh, it's just been sitting on awaiting fulfillment, even though another order I placed after has already shipped and is supposed to arrive tomorrow. So I'm just like, what's taking uh. so long? So like, I reached out and come to find out the book sold out after mm. I placed my order, apparently. So they weren't able to fulfill it. So they had to refund me for my money. Um, but then when I went to go look for it, I can't find it in print anywhere. Like everywhere is sold out. Like Christian Bookstore, um, I can't remember, Amazon, like all the different sites that you'd think to go check for books. It was all sold out. Um, the only place you can find it is for like 50 bucks on eBay. And I was like, <laughs> smell you later. I guess I'll just get the digital one this month. But that was kind of a bummer. So that's like, that is a bummer. Not great, but I already have next month's book. So that's good sweet yeah yeah we're i don't know i i I feel like male woes might have come up um in the you know in the last yeah as we were approaching christmas and and stuff but i mean we're still waiting on christmas presents for my mom that just that is insane yeah she mailed she mailed like two weeks before oh yeah i saw (laughs) yeah but i mean like she mailed it like two weeks before christmas priority mail and that just seems insane and so, so she lives in Massachusetts. A week later, it was in Connecticut. <laughs> and then, like two weeks later, it was in it was in uh, Atlanta. <laughs> and I think it's still in Atlanta. But wow, um, rip! That is a bummer. You don't, you know. I just ordered with with a, a gift card. I ordered a book from Barnes and Noble that shipped. I ordered it like on like the twenty sixth or the. Uh, I ordered it like the weekend after Christmas, and it just shipped today, which is kind of weird. But they shipped it UPS, hmm. so it should be it should get here pretty soon. Yeah. Um, well, dude, I still but... can't believe I ordered you that Christmas present, the the Valley of Vision. I ordered yeah. it on the twenty second. It That's shipped wild. the twenty third, and you had it in hand the twenty fourth. I was like, what in the world? Yeah. Like in all this yeah. craziness, it gets there in like a day <laughs> from like the northeast. I'm pretty sure they're up in Pennsylvania, so it's it's not like it was yeah, like it's... this town next over. What's really crazy is how different like FedEx and UPS versus usps have been right because it's like i mean I, I get like everyone has some some things that i've sent have gotten there some things haven't some things i've been sent have gotten here and some things haven't like it's, it kind of depends but like overall i like usps has been way slower than fedex and ups and those kinds For of services sure. like during this whole pandemic stuff but like when it come when it came to like this this like holiday season it's like oh you know everyone's you know got to do their shopping early because there's going to be so much online shopping and you know shipping and all that stuff which made sense but like to have a to have a package sitting for like three weeks in atlanta like is is unbelievable like it's just crazy how slow it is but yeah it's wild but you know we're not here to talk about the mail as much as we love talking about the post office yeah um we are here to talk about jonah um so as as Lucas sort of alluded to, uh, or I guess just flat out said, we are spending this month <laughs> going through the book of Jonah, one chapter a week. Um, this isn't going to be like a, a sermon. We're not like preaching to you guys. It's not it's not supposed to be um, you know that sort of format. Uh, really, it's just going to be some of the more important talking points. So as as Lucas and I read this, and you know we we obviously know that next week we're recording chapter two, and the next week chapter three. So each week leading up, we spend a little bit of time, um, you know, I spent, I think, three or four individual days just reading in different translations and different versions 
um, through this. And so I, I just jotted down things that jumped off the page to me. Um, Lucas has done the same. I, I consulted one commentary. Um, and that's it's it's going to be interesting because I think this book, um, especially when you think about like the Veggie Tales version or whatever, like I think sometimes we we just think about the big fish. Jonah swallowed. Um, he preaches. The Ninevites repent. Like I, I, to, to me anyway, growing up, that's like all I ever knew about Jonah. I didn't understand the undertones. I didn't understand what motivated Jonah to do the things that he did. Um, so I think for me, I mean. This, this fall, I read Jonah over and over and over again. And as I mentioned, I even got a, a tattoo of, of Jonah um, being thrown over the edge of the boat and, and, and falling into the sea. Um, you know, there's obviously some, some symbolism. Jonah is a type, in a way, of Christ to come. I mean, Jesus himself uh, refers to the sign of Jonah. Um, you know, even the story of Jesus walking on the sea to, to calm the storm um, or even asleep in the boat. Um, when his disciples are freaking out, like there's, there's foreshadowing and, and all of that. So it's really, it's an interesting book. It's an important book. And I thought it'd be worth uh, spending some time talking about it. So before we jump in to the conversation, I thought I would just point out, um, as I mentioned, a, a commentary that I read, uh, talked about the parallelism within Jonah. So it's almost as if there's two scenes. Uh, so chapters one and two are scene one, and then chapters three and four are scene two. And it's really interesting. It starts, I'm just going to say like, I'm not going to go and say all the verses, but like literally verse one to ver, uh, verse one of chapter one and verse one of chapter three line up and then one, two, three, two, one, three, 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 and so on. It, it's, it's crazy, the parallelism here. Um, but it, it starts with God's word that comes to Jonah. So we hear that there's a message that God has that he has to give to somebody. Um, the And then it goes on as the message that is conveyed. So it, it, there's a certain message that he needs to proclaim. Uh, and then we see Jonah's response. So how does Jonah respond to the word that has come to him and then the message that he needs to proclaim? Uh, and then there's a word of warning. Uh, there's a, a response of pagans generally. So in the, in the first scene, it's the sailors. In the second scene, it's the Ninevites. Um, and then, uh, then it's the response of the pagan leader specifically, so that the the captain of the ship comes and talks to Jonah, and then later the uh, the ruler, the leader of Nineveh, um, has a little bit of, uh, you know, he has some things that he wants to say, and then the last point that we see that has parallelism is how God taught grace to Jonah, first through the fish and then through the plant, uh, so it's it's interesting to see even in this short book how how Jonah grows. Um, how he remains the same in some ways. Um, and, you know, this really is a short book. If you're just flipping through your Old Testament, it's highly probable that you'll just flip right over it because it's not Isaiah, it's not Ezekiel, it's not the Psalms. Um, it might even just take up a page and a half or two pages on your Bible, depending on what size your Bible is. Um, but there's a lot that is packed into here, and I'm excited to start unpacking it. So um, another thing I failed to mention, we're not going to read the entire thing. I think that would just take too long. So if you want to know what we're talking about specifically, it might benefit you to read uh, real quick chapter one. But um, but Lucas, is there anything that jumps right off the page to you as we begin? Yeah, I think it's super interesting. Like, it, on, on the one hand, interesting, you know, setting up that that two scenes in parallel kind of framework in terms of the structure of the book, but also beyond just being like interesting. Um, 
you know, wh- whether or not you, you choose to divide the book up that way or, you know, you find some other way to do it, I think, you know, from the outset, kind of keeping in mind, and, and this is true always when we approach any text, um, and certainly no less the text of scripture, but there's, it's not just words that like fell onto a page, you know, you know, and it's not just the stream of consciousness of somebody saying, you know, oh, I'm going to just write down a bunch of thoughts about Jonah and like what happened to him. And to keep in mind the idea, even if it's not, you know, that specific framework and structure of the book that you kind of, you know, choose to, to highlight in your mind, it, to, but to keep, as we're over the course of this month, walking through chapter by chapter, not verse by verse, but but walking through the whole book and certainly the whole story, um, to just to keep in mind that like there is a very obvious meaning, there's a very obvious narrative, and just like with any narrative, there's much more going on that is easy to miss when you're not looking for it. When you're reading quickly because it is just a page and a half, you know, when you're reading quickly because you're busy or because you're reading it the way that you read the news uh, or, you know, whatever else might be going on in in terms of how we find ourselves when we come to read something. Um, it, it is so easy to miss so many things. And it's funny that you mentioned the VeggieTales. That's my by far the just like... I don't like. I know this is this. You know, I I didn't watch a ton of Veggie Tales uh, when I was an actual when I was an actual kid. Uh, but uh, Jonah was was just it's so good. It's a good one. Yeah, <laughs> it's so good. And um, it is it is funny every time I read the book of Jonah, I I am surprised at a couple things. How quickly he gets onto the boat, and how. Uh, how little we know about the sailors mm. because <laughs> the, it takes a lot longer in veggie tales for him to actually get onto the boat. Uh, and part of that is because the sailors are the pirates don't do anything. And there's a lot, <laughs> you know, like <laughs> of, of like the, the, you know, they're, they get a lot of screen time, you, right. you know? So it, it's, it's funny. Like th- there were times where in the past where I hadn't read Jonah in a really long time. And, and then, was reading it like more seriously and i and i realized that i had like in my head mixed up veggie tales <laughs> and and the actual text Wait, where are the pirates who don't do anything <laughs> <laughs> um not to that extreme but there there are there are like i i can't think of an example but i just it's funny the way that like um and i think this is just the power of of something like veggie tales like i've never I've, i mean i've watched it a million times but also it it, it just it communicates the story so well that like, like the fish, it, it, it's literally half a sentence. Yeah, <laughs> um, it's, it's it, a blip. But it's like this whole like, you know, build up of there's this big fish coming and they're trying to reel him back, you know, in the movie. And obviously, you know, it's a movie like you get my point. But um, so anyway, it's funny you mentioned it because I yeah. always immediately think of that. Well, specific that's evangelical christian childhood like the yeah. ma- main story is the bible you remember the veggie tale versions <laughs> <laughs> and uh and i would also say like this this might maybe maybe we could do like a january bonus or something but like i've i recently like within the last year or maybe even like six months watched jonah like the veggie tales jonah and 
I, I think it's a really, really good... I mean, I think VeggieTales in general, when they're retelling biblical stories, are really, really good at doing that in a way that's so accessible and memorable that really teaches a lot of important stuff. Not all the time. Like, Esther really glosses over, you know, everything. <laughs> uh, which is understandable because it's designed for kids, but, like... Right. Um, but I think Jonah is... is a really, really good example. And I think part of it is, is, is the movie, you know, I didn't realize we were just going to talk about VeggieTales, but the, the movie, <laughs> the movie's not just a retelling of Jonah. It's like the kids are learning. Like it, you're like you as a kid watching the movie are watching kids hear Jonah's story and like learn about it, you know? So I think that that setup where it's like, the actual story of Jonah is like being retold within the movie hmm. at the restaurant where the kids are, you know, on their way to the concert or whatever. <laughs> I'm going to go watch it tonight. It's so good. But um, <laughs> like, I, I think, I, I think it's a really, that's a really excellent, like that's a good example of like Christian media <laughs> is that movie in particular. But anyway, interesting. Um, so like the thing be, that was a very unexpectedly long-winded way of getting to the the things that stick out to me in Jonah in particular are usually things that make me think of what's missing or different in the movie that I just remember so well. Um, So there are some things like, you know, how insignificant just, you know, narratively the, or like textually uh, the appearance of the great fish is like, like, it just, it's just there, you know, it just, and there was a great fish and it swallowed Jonah. And it's just kind of, you know, it's not this big dramatic scene. It's not even the, the main way. point, really. I mean, that, yeah, a lot yeah, of times I, that's what it seems like yeah. the main point of the book is when you think about Jonah, but it's this tiny little blip. Yep. There and gone. Yeah. And I, I think, I think it's probably worth, we'll probably spend more time talking about the fish next week when in chapter two, where he's actually, that's when he's actually in the, the fish. Descended. So it's a... Uh, I think it's going to be some interesting conversations with that, but yeah. um, things like that. And then the other kind of thing that, that always sticks out to me is when phrases or words are repeated, mm. which is just, I think a good, like just a good, like rule of thumb to always be on the lookout. Like I, I, I tend to always underline what I'm just reading in my, in my Bible, the Bible that I underline in. <laughs> um, anytime I see, if I'm reading a chapter and there's like, you know, a name repeats itself 10 times or something, you know, I'm going to be underlining that or um, phrases, places, you know, things like that. And right in the beginning we have, uh, you know, Tarshish, but, but specifically from the presence of the Lord in verse three, um, twice in verse three, uh, it's, he's going from the presence of the Lord. And then that reappears when, you know, the jig is up and they find out that Jonah is the, the culprit of, of why, you know, the, the sea is angry at them. And they ask him what he did. And he tells them, you know, that he was fleeing. And they're like, you know, how could you do that? You know, in NASB, it says, how could you do this? Um, for the men knew that he was fleeing from the presence of the Lord. So like this, this like very intentional, like not only is it obvious in what he's doing, that he, that he's trying to run from the presence of the Lord, but it's just reinforced in this very um, almost subtle way, where it's just like he's going to Tarshish from the presence of the presence of the Lord, and he went to Tarshish from the presence of the presence of the Lord. Oh, I'm I'm running from the presence of the Lord, and it's just like this 
this, you know, just beating the hammer of like, don't Will miss like what rebellion. he's doing. <laughs> right. Um, and, and especially like looking forward, obviously like, you know, as we're, as we walk through kind of maybe like looking back to where as the story unfolds and the different things and events happen, like how does that initial, you know, intention of Jonah's or state of mind or, or motivation, how does that, how does that click and fit in with the rest of it? I think is an interesting discussion that the author wants us to be thinking about because he is hammering, you know, from the presence of the Lord, from the presence of the Lord, from the presence of the Lord. And, um, it, along a similar note, um, the, the other thing that really stuck out to me was, um, again, because of the VeggieTales movie, in, in the movie, he when he goes to the docks to get on the boat, he asks for a ticket to, like, as far away. And there's a little map that the, like, salesman carrot guy, like, points to. And it's, like, Tarshish is, like, over on, like, the, the side of the map. Like, it's not even on the front of the sign. It's, like, on the side of the wooden map sign or whatever. And, it, and like... If I recall correctly, it's like on like the coast of like Spain or Portugal or something in the way that the map is drawn in VeggieTales. And so as I was reading that, I was like, huh, you know, I've always just had in my head that that's where Tarshish is, but I didn't, I don't actually, you know, didn't know that. And so I didn't do, a, I didn't go to any like atlases or, or commentaries. I didn't have access to any of that stuff, but like I, I just did like a quick like Wikipedia, you know, Google search. Like I, I didn't even like scroll through Google. I literally just went to Wikipedia and, um, was kind of surprised and like I think really intrigued to for a couple of reasons to um, just to to read and to learn that Tarshish is a very like disputed place. Um, it shows up a few times in the Old Testament. Jonah's one of them, and then there's a few other times, and it's not really clear what this place is um, in terms of where it is. Um, there's the idea that it's somewhere out in Spain. There's also um, some sources seem to in, seem like it's it's uh, another word for Carthage, um, and there's also like just a bunch of other places that that people have thought or or do think that Tarshish was located. Um, but one of the possibilities is also that it's not actually a real place, but it is meant to be more of a he's he's getting on a boat to flee from the presence of the lord like to the ends of the earth kind of thing um and obviously jonah and the sailors are presented as people who think tarshish is a real destination that they're going to (laughs) um so i'm not saying that uh it's necessarily the case that tarshish doesn't exist um we, I don't know if we want to go down this rabbit hole. I, hot take. I don't know that Jonah is necessarily a historical person. Um, and if that's the case, then that would you know make sense from the more metaphorical side of things. You better but, watch out, man. Second Kings might disagree <laughs> with you there. Um, and uh, I, mean, I, I don't think he's not. I just I think it's more of an open question than I would have thought at one point. Um, point being, Tarshish really is this. If you were going to try and flee from the presence of the Lord, like that's the place <laughs> mm. um, that 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 you'd be trying to go to. Yes. Yeah. You know, like like for 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 a Hebrew living in Israel, like it, it's either literally like as far as the known world to them 
was um, or it's metaphorically as far as you could possibly right. get away from, which again is this to us, I think much more subtle than, you know, the original audience who I'm sure would have a much better understanding of the geography of their own world than, than we do even with our maps and, and stuff like that. Um, but thankfully we do have maps and atlases and history books. So we, you know, it's, it's more subtle, I think, than just the repetition of from the presence of the Lord. But the fact that he's going to Tarshish makes so much sense and itself, I think, reinforces just this whole initial, like I said, motivation or mindset or, um, you know, impulse that Jonah has that is this running away impulse mm. that it's this you know um and it's it's really it's it's really interesting to 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 think you know geography is not something in the bible that i always like super focus on like i, I don't know like I, I i've read too many like super dispensational like you know readings of daniel and revelation where like they see like russia and iran and yeah. the united states and America. britain and it's like okay well no not okay just just <laughs> no you know just just like not not really what's being said here but um right uh but so i but it, it is important that whether they're being done for like metaphorical purposes or whether it's uh for more just historical purposes like the Bible mentions places be, be, because God deals with places and, and mm. things. You know, he deals with, with fish and fruit and bread and wine and water and and uh, a worm that eats a plant. You know, like he's <laughs> he's a very located God, you know, yeah. and, and because his he has designed his people to be very located. Uh, and and uh, that means that, the geography often does play a really big role. And even if it, it, I don't think you need to do like a deep dive into Tarshish to like get Jonah, but it is cool to note and to go a little more like we, you know, kind of like what we're trying to do here and what I was saying earlier, just to like go a little slower and notice those things that, that are just kind of under the surface um, compared to just the, the big picture, like, like what is really happening and being said. And I think that, um, there's yeah, there's so much more, but I think that those those are really the things that like really just grab my attention is just this this re- repeated kind of hammering home and reinforcing like just what it is Jonah's really doing, yeah. Um, which Why? which is no secret, but but it's really important, obviously, mm. just the way right. the book is is written. <clears throat> yeah, and I I mean I. I guess to, to just jump back a little bit, the, th- the thing that really actually jumped off the page to me was the fact that so little is said about Jonah, which I know is part of why some have come to believe that maybe he wasn't a, a real historical figure or, or whatever. But um, unlike many of the other prophets, you know, think of Isaiah, Jeremiah, Ezekiel, like we might see that he's the son of this person, but you usually get more details. Like he ministered in this time, in this place, to these people, he did this. Like there's a lot more background, um, but we don't we don't see that in Jonah. It's like he's the son of Amittai, or however you would say that. Like that's all we get. The, the word of the Lord comes to Jonah. 
here's his dad, and then you see what God says. Um, the only other place that Jonah pops up in scripture, uh, I, guess I, should, I should say in the Old Testament is 2 Kings 14, 25. Uh, it tells us that Jonah ministered during the reign of Israel's king, Jeroboam II. Um, and in that text, we actually learned that unlike Amos, unlike Hosea, uh, who actually criticized the royal administration for injustice and unfaithfulness, uh, Jonah actually supported Jeroboam's aggressive military policy, um, basically wanting to extend the nation's power and influence. Um, so the original audience, so the original Hebrews who would have been reading this, likely would have recognized and remembered this about Jonah. Because again, think of repetition, think of names that appear throughout the Old Testament, themes, ideas that come up time and time again. Uh, so they would have probably been a little bit shocked, maybe a little bit amazed that God would send a man like him to go preach to the people that basically the Israelites feared and hated the most. Um, we haven't yeah, really I mean, talked it, about... Uh, that's fascinating. I, yeah, I didn't. I knew he was mentioned, but I didn't remember what was mentioned about him. That I think really also, to me, makes a ton of sense in light of his response. Right, exactly, <laughs> um, yeah. To, you, to God's you, request, or sorry, <laughs> command <laughs> to, to, to go, uh, you know, to not to do what Jonah would have been inclined to do, you know, it, it, seemingly, uh, but right. yeah, yeah. Wow. Yeah. Yeah. So, I mean, the, 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 we, we don't see a lot about the Ninevites, obviously in, in this passage, but what we, what we know about them, we, we learn from history. We learned that the, the Ninevites were especially cruel, um, very harsh, very aggressive, militaristic, um, taking people, forcing them into slavery, um, I'm pretty sure I read some like really gruesome and gory things that the Ninevites would do, like impaling people on posts and leaving them as you would enter into the city so that like as someone would walk in, you would know what you were walking into as almost like a warning, like don't try anything here. Um, There's just like some really awful things. And so for Jonah, for any good uh, Hebrew, any good Israelite to to get this call, to go and preach repentance, to go to Nineveh, to call out against it for their evil... Like, it's no wonder, it's no, yeah, it's no wonder that Jonah ran. And, and you know, part of, part of what I'm really curious about is, like, Jonah's mo- motivation in running. Like, I think as we, we go through, as we go through this book, we're going to see more and more why he ran. I mean, he says as much in, in chapter four, why he fleed. He basically says, like, I knew that you were going to do this because you're merciful, because you're loving. Um, and so, was it that he just simply feared them? Did he just fear um, death? Or as um, Tim Keller points out, that Jonah's root problem is likely that he views himself as deserving of God's mercy, whereas others are deserving of his justice. Um, so maybe maybe that has something to play into it. Because, again, you have to imagine, in the Old Testament, um, within the Old Covenant, there was a covenant people of God. And so I, I'm trying to think about what would have gone through Jonah's mind. Again, we see nothing about inner processes. We just see him acting very rashly. Um, but like, what was going through his mind when God was like, go preach, call out, tell them to repent for the evil that they have done or j- justice is going to come. Um, and instead of doing that right away, obviously Jonah runs, but it's like, what was his, again, what was his motivation in running? Was he just so afraid that he might lose his life or was there a little bit of bitterness? Was there a little bit of resentment? Was there, um, maybe a little bit of pride or, 
haughtiness or self-righteousness to think that like, well, of course we're deserving of God's grace, but certainly the Ninevites aren't. Um, and so you really start to see, especially in light of some of the typology that, you know, is to come in Christ when, when he fulfills this, um, you know, Jesus perfectly fulfills all that the father asks. Um, Jesus perfectly obeys the will of God and goes and preaches repentance and, and people come to him. Um, he has the power to calm the winds with his words instead of having to be thrown into the sea and swallowed. And, um, you know, obviously we're comparing Jonah and Jesus, like a man to the God man. Um, well, but, I mean, but the, but the Jesus did. So right. I think well, it's that's safe. true. <laughs> but like the stark contrast is part of why I think it's important that Jesus did that to show like, you know, th- this is a- another fulfillment. But um, yeah, I was just really fascinated because no other prophet rebels like this. When, when, when God gives a command or when he has a prophet do something, they act, they do it, even, even if it's what they don't want to do. Um, you know, Isaiah, I believe, is the one who's who's given the charge to go preach until, like, basically nobody wants to hear anything. But you're going to keep pre- preaching anyway. And, and he goes and he does it. Um, but it, th- throughout this story, throughout this narrative, we actually see, and it's very ironic, Jonah moves farther and farther away from God, which, as you pointed out with um, talking about Tarshish, um, people really do think it is almost this just picture for what was the end of the earth. So Jonah's going to the ends of the earth as far away as possible from the presence of God, whereas the pagans, so the sailors in scene one and the Ninevites in scene two, actually move closer and closer. Even if it's not genuine repentance, even if it wasn't lasting, even if they didn't enter into covenant faithfulness with Yahweh, uh, the fact of the matter stands is that the Israelite goes further and further away um, and the people come to be closer to God. You know, the sailors make vows and they... um, you know who who knows what that meant, but they did, well, they acted here, better. Here's the thing: I, I think we do know what it meant because, and we can talk about this in in chapter th- three when when the Ninevites uh, re- repent. Um, it, it 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 seems at least on the surface slightly different for a somewhat subtle reason, but the um, they call on the Lord, small caps. We earnestly pray, O Lord, small caps, uh, feared the Lord, small caps, offered a sacrifice to the Lord, small caps. When the Engl- when 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 we print our Bibles, Lord with the small caps, that is the covenant name of God. The glancing ahead, I, I double checked, the, the the King of Nineveh does not use God's covenant name. Oh interesting. So he just uses Adonai? Or God, uh, he he uses God. I I'm pretty sure it's it, it would probably be L. He, he they say L when they're when when they're talking about their. I I checked this. Um, I used every ounce of Hebrew <laughs> one that I still had from all those years ago. But um, blessed when they're like when they're like you know they cried out. Every man cried to his God, and, mm. and they said, "Hey, ask your God." Like um, that that's just 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 God. Um, I I don't know what what we'll see. Um, in a couple of weeks, but I, I don't know what the King of Nineveh says, in, in the vocabulary he uses. I know what he says, but I don't know like the, the vocab he uses. But but because of the way that we, the conventions that we have, I do know even just in the English that people don't say Lord, small caps, <laughs> um, who are not in some kind of relationship, right? Be, 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 because that 
is the covenant name. You know that that and what I mean by that is is you know Yahweh. That that is the 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 name that God reveals to His people. That that is like the you know God revealing who He truly is to you versus just like you know God or King in a general sense. Um, so to fear the Lord, to fear Adonai Yahweh greatly, and offering a sacrifice and made vows to to not to God but to the Lord. Um, the, That's significant. <laughs> the sailor, the 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 seemingly, you know. Now, now another geography point. Joppa is in Israel, but all the sailors are crying out to his own god. So the seemingly Gentile uh, sailors are ex, are making, uh, you know, they they they're calling, they're fearing him, calling on him, praying to him. Uh, and making vows and sacrifices, so that, so they're engaging in covenant activities. Hmm. Um, I, I, the sailors get Jonah. Jonah's lack of faith saves the sailors because um, we see the you know the conclusion of the sailors' story. You know, the book goes on. We don't see the sailors again. Is that they sacrifice and make vows to Yahweh? Um, so whether they were lapsed covenant members or Gentiles, we see them return to their father right. through, wow. you know, I, like I want to say through the ministry of Jonah, but through through the unministry of Jonah. Um, the disobedience. Yeah, right, yeah. Which I think is, <laughs> it, that's an important, like, as much as we might give Jonah crap for what he did, what he did in running away, um, this is proving the point of God's sovereignty, his, his goodness over, um, even our bad situations, like good comes from it. And that's not to say that we should then seek bad situations that good might come. Um, but a reality of living in this fallen world, seek disobedience that good might come. Right. Exactly. Um, But like a reality of living in the world is that like bad things happen. People sin, we mess up. Um, yet God is still honored. He's still glorified. Um, I mean, this book is like, chuck full of irony like it's it's all over the place um you know the fact that jonah flees from the presence of the lord as if that sort of thing could actually happen like did jonah think he could actually escape yahweh like was his understanding of who god was like just did he only think in terms of like temple um, of the place where god's presence dwelt or did he not understand that even as jonah goes to the ends of the earth did he not did he not know what David wrote? You know, if, if I ascend to heaven, if I put my, if make my bed in Sheol, like go to the ends of the earth, wherever I go, your presence is there. Um, it just, it's, it's, it's ironic that Jonah tries to go to the ends of the earth to, to flee God's presence and to, to sort of call back to a, a thing that you mentioned, Lucas, um, you mentioned repetition. One of the things that I noticed is that the word great is used countless times in this chapter to, to describe things. Um, there's the great city of Nineveh. There's a great storm. There's a great fish. There's like all these great things, which again is interesting. It's, it's a, it's a very specific Hebrew word. Um, and so it's almost like God's like, Jonah, you're, you're refusing to go to the great city. Well, then I'm going to throw you into a great storm and you're going to go into the belly of a great fish. And it just like (laughs) keeps going and going. And it's, it's, it's funny. And this is something that like, I wish we had, I'm going to quote our ever popular phrase here. It probably deserves an entire episode. Um, But 
for Jonah, for Jonah, the storm was a consequence of his sin, right? So Jonah was disobedient. He sinned in fleeing from the presence of the Lord. The sin is a consequence of that. Yet the sailors were caught in it too. The, the sailors didn't sin necessarily. Sure, they, they might have been pagans. They might have had tons of sin. They weren't in fellowship. They weren't in covenant relationship with Yahweh. Um, but we don't see an explicit sin mentioned that leads to them being put in peril or in danger. Um, so I think it's, it's, it'd be fascinating to explore that idea of our sin, our rebellion, our disobedience, and what that does in society. So the societal effects of sin. The ways in which when we transgress, it affects those around us. This is like exhibit A. Jonah sins. The sailors are caught in the same storm, even though they didn't necessarily do anything. Um, and it's, again, more irony. But, but twice in this book, Jonah actually finds himself in close contact with people who are racially, most likely, and religiously, most likely, different from him. In both cases, though, <laughs> Jonah's behavior is dismissive. Um, it's unhelpful. It's just like, you know, he's in this, he's in the bottom of this boat or wherever he is asleep. And he, it's just like, you're asleep, Jonah, in this great storm, you're asleep. <laughs> like really. Um, but I think that's one of the main messages of this book. Like he's being the person who should be helpful, who should be gracious, who should be like the hero is not. And it's the pagans mm. or the unbelievers, um, who act more admirably, um, you know, and I think it's to show that God cares how we believers relate to and treat people who are dip, deeply different than us. Um, that might not be, you know, explicitly on the pages of this, but I think that's at least one implication that we can draw from this book is that um, the way that we act, the way that we behave in the world does matter, especially to those who are outsiders, those who aren't Christians, those who don't belong to, to, to Christ. Um, the way that we live and move and breathe in this world has serious implications. If we're gonna, if we're gonna rebel, if we're gonna disagree, we might end up being in a quote-unquote storm. And I don't like using language like this necessarily. It sounds kind of cheesy. I don't mean it that way. But um, the it, it, the reality stands that like this. So let's just hypothetically, you know, a husband who who has a pornography addiction. Um, even if you think that's a secret sin, it's gonna have effects. It's gonna change your attitude, your behaviors. Um, if your wife or your significant other finds out, um, there's going to be significant repercussions. Like the sin that you commit has reverberations. Sin isn't just this momentary act that we commit and then it's gone. Um, and that's, again, we're not going to get into this, but that's part of why even like racially speaking, like there, there, there is racial sin that is deep, um, that there's, there's wounds that take time to heal. Um, even if you are not guilty of committing X or Y sin, um, the sins that have happened in the past trickle down. And I, I don't understand why it, it can be so difficult to understand that when like we literally as Christians believe that the fall of Adam and Eve has trickled down throughout all of human history, that like we are living in the effects of a great sin. Um, <laughs> but that's another topic for another day. But I don't know. I think I think it's interesting. Uh, you know, if you if you have some more things you want to add here, it'd be, be cool too. But I, I one of the other things I found really fascinating about this is that Jonah is thoroughly self-absorbed. He's only thinking about himself. He's only doing what he wants to do. Um, whereas the sailors are seeking common good. The sailors are trying to save everybody. And we don't know what these sailors do for a living. We don't know what their professions are. We have to imagine that they, if they were heading back home or heading off to their um, next destination, that any cargo 
that they have on the ship is probably pretty valuable, right? They probably came and traded um, maybe some metals or some food or jewels or whatever it might be. And we see the people throw the cargo overboard. So as this, as this storm is raging on, they're doing everything that they can to benefit the common good of the neighbor, so to speak. Whereas Jonah, again, is asleep. Um, I, just, I thought that was really interesting that, again, that yeah, the pagans they, are seeking common good. They try to row back to land or, you know, try again or try harder to row back right. to land after Jonah says, it's my, you know, this is on account of me. If you throw me in the sea, then it'll calm. You know, and he he's like, I, I get the sense, and maybe this is my VeggieTales showing, but I, I get the sense that it's very much like he's sort of like, at least in this moment, you know, look what I have done, you know, because he says, on account of me, this storm has come upon you. Like, there is, a, he, he, I mean, you know, obviously, he gets what the situation is, and, um, it, it's not just like they're throwing cargo overboard, they're trying to row to land, and then it's like, oh, this is what's going on, you know, f- Lord forgive us, but we need to, you know, it's it's like, it's not necessarily in the order I might expect, you know, it's like, hmm. they're, they're, they're doing the normal things that you do on a boat, or, you know, a ship, <laughs> to to save yourself in a catastrophic storm, you're lightening the load, and you're, you know, doing all this, and and then they figure out what's going on, and then they still try to again to, irony because like you'd it. think you'd think that like they'd be so enraged like you're the reason that this is happening to me like you'd think there'd want to be some like retaliation right right there, least... there's a there's an easy solution that Jonah offers right it, you know it's it's quicker than trying to row it's safer it's easy Jonah's on board it seems with that solution he offers right. it it's his idea <laughs> and. Uh, it's not their fault. <laughs> right. Which, again, it just shows how much these people do care about the common good. Even this person who, it's his fault, he's given the solution, and yet they still are like, well, let's keep trying to row hard against this and, and keep it going. Um, but another thing that I think is really interesting, the, the repetition. This book is so repetitive, but it's so beautiful. Um, the captain, did you notice what the captain says to Jonah? What are, what are the first things that he says? get up, call to your God, which is the exact same. I get like, you almost have to imagine. We don't, we don't know how the word of the Lord came to Jonah in the beginning, but what is, what does God say to Jonah? He says, get up and go (laughs) arise. So imagine Joseph probably, it probably was some sort of slumber. You know, maybe that's, maybe the the word came in a dream, Um, but he's being, he's in, he's sleeping in this ship. It's threatening to break apart. Um, and, and the captain approaches him and he says, what are you doing sound asleep? Not just like resting his eyes, sound asleep. And he says, get up and call, get up or rise. Like it, you, you have to almost imagine that as he's, you know, awaking from his, his slumber. Um, like, did I hear those words right? Because they're the exact same words when you read he, the Hebrew, like the original language. Like, so um, like we have to imagine that maybe it clicked a little bit in Jonah's mind to hear those words of get up and arise. Um, but I just think it's, it's interesting. And I'm also wondering, like, like, what did Jonah like expect? Like when, when he, like when he <laughs> says, throw, like, I, this is something that's like blown my mind. And I've, and people have asked, like, was Jonah suicidal? But like Jonah almost definitely 
did not anticipate a giant fish swallowing him and then living in the fish for, what, three days and then being vomited up on the dry land. Like, I can't imagine that that was Jonah's three-step plan and how to get out of this situation. Um, he probably is imagining uh, that he's going to lose his life here. Um, <laughs> it's, it's, I don't know. Like, it, 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 Really, all, all throughout this book, I find myself asking, Jonah, what are you doing? What are you thinking? <laughs> Why are you doing this? And it's, again, the other people who are acting um, more admirably. But, I don't know, I... It, I feel like this could go on for a long time, and I don't want it to oh, be like sure. a super long episode, but um, to, to maybe add some like practical application here, to, to think about like, and I mean this like, sort of like a pun, as people in the world, living in living on Earth, we are all in the same boat, but um, and you know, never Excellent. was that old saying more true than for Jonah. Maybe that's where that saying came from. <laughs> like, who knows? <laughs> um, but you know, if crime is plaguing a community or, or poor health or a water shortage, um, the people in that community are going to be in the same boat. Um, here in, in this story, uh, obviously the storm threatens, um, or I guess like the storm that threatens one person, it's threatening Jonah, but it also is threatening the, the community. It's, it's threatening the other sailors. Um, Jonah needed to recognize that he was part of the whole human community not only a member of a faith community. Like, it's true that the Israelites were a part of a, a very specific faith community, um, but as, as we see, obviously, in the fulfillment of all things in the New Testament, that, like, Israel was called to be a light to the nations. Um, so often they failed in that calling. Um, you know, there were times where they acted admir admirably. There are characters who do that well. But time and time again, these people are failing to live faithfully in their world and in their context and as a result, their sin brings greater problems for the people around them. Um, in the end, we will see that God does care for Nineveh. You know, at the end, we basically see God say, like, you know, should I not care for these people? And Jonah, like, if you don't care about the people, at least you should care about all the cattle. Like, I always think it's so funny that it just ends and much cattle and then it's basically done, um, which we'll talk about when we get there. But um, in the same way, Joseph ought to have cared about these sailors more than he cared about himself. Because um, the reality is, is that like Jonah's private faith is of no public good. And I think that this is like a lesson that we need. And as I was thinking about this, you know, some of the implications of this passage this week, I was thinking that that's a lesson that we need in our churches in light of COVID-19, in light of um, political and racial tension. Um, we, we do have, in a sense, a, a private faith. You know, we have... Um, personal faith, but in a greater and I think more important sense, we do have a communal faith um, where we're the body of Christ. We are the church. We are his bride. And in, in another sense, we, we live in this world and we have a calling to to love our neighbors, to, uh, to care about the common good. Um, and so that's something that, you know, use your own imagination, your own thoughts for, for what that might mean. But it's it's, I don't know, it's pretty clear, if, if, especially if you dive deep into this book. Um, you know, I, I think one of the last things I'll say, and then you can uh, add any last thoughts that you have, but um, the captain, when he, when he approached Jonah, he says, um, uh, he asks Jonah, what is your business? Where are you from? What is your country? And what people are you from? Those are questions that he, that he poses to Jonah. Um, and 
Jonah responds, I'm a Hebrew. I worship the Lord, the God of the heavens, who made the sea and the dry land. So basically, this sailor has asked, what is your purpose? You know, what is your business? He asked, what is your place? You know, what is your country? And what is your race? What people are you from? Uh, and to Jonah, you know, maybe he doesn't have to order, or maybe he doesn't have to answer in the order he was asked, but he chooses the first thing that he says is, I'm a Hebrew. Like, before anything else, he doesn't say I'm a servant. He doesn't say I'm a prophet of Yahweh. Like, he doesn't open up with something more profound. Like, his first thought in who are you, where are you from, what is your business, is I am a Hebrew. And I wonder if some of his thought is, maybe to use anachronistic terminology, nationalistic, to be thinking about him as a people, the nation of Israel, um, how that was the primary identity of who they were. And maybe you could translate that a little bit to today, whereas as people living in this land, what is if someone were to ask you, what is your business? Um, where do you come from? Who are your people? What like what would you think? Would your first answer be, I'm an American. I'm, I'm a... I'm a red, white, and blue American, I live in this country, or is your first answer, you know, I'm partaker of the divine nature, I'm, you know, I'm a Christian, I'm, I've been bought by the blood of Christ, or whatever, whatever that first thought might be. Um, But at the very least, regardless of, you know, what you might say, it's interesting to at least consider why Jonah answered the way that he answered. And I guess that was one of the last things that, that I wanted to add. Yeah. I don't really have anything else to add, honestly. Um, I'm definitely looking forward to... Uh, I'm not looking forward to next week because I don't know what I'm going to say. <laughs> what I'm going to what I'm gonna say, which is why we, we spend time reading and reflecting. Right. But it, it's just such a tricky such a tricky one. But I, I love chapters three and four, so I'm definitely looking... I'm excited to do this specifically on Jonah and also just to kind of get back into a more themed month kind of thing. Um, so I do have to say, yeah. I really enjoyed, and I've had these for a long time. I don't know why I haven't used them more, but I, I really enjoyed using the ESV scripture journal. I don't know if you guys have ever seen those. It's actually funny, like CSB, NIV, KJV, they all have made their own scripture journals after the ESV put out theirs. Um, but it, it's super nice. Like it's, it's a very small, like it's Jonah and a couple other small prophets, Um, But like you have the text on one side and then lines on another to like journal, to take notes, to write out observations. Like it was really helpful this week. Like I would read in my CSB um, translation and then in this ESV scripture journal sort of write down thoughts. And so if you, I mean, I, I really like this, this Jonah series because one, I love Jonah. I think it's a really good and important story. Um, But also I think it's a really good example um, because it's small, it's easy to, to to do. It's a really good example of just like good Bible study, like good habits to begin cultivating. You know, reading the Bible in community, especially in such a, um, you know, maybe a difficult day. Like I know some people, you know, myself included, it, it's difficult to to get to church. It's difficult to, um, you know, with COVID and with restrictions and everything. But um, to to be able to, especially in a new year, I know New Years are often like a a time to reset, to reorient. Uh, you know, if you're looking to get into the Bible more, if you're looking to get into a book, I mean, Jonah is a great place to start. Start small. Um, you can purchase the scripture journals individually. So like if you wanted to go through Romans or Galatians or Colossians or whatever, you could purchase it for like three bucks and then you can journal and, and take it at your own pace. It's pretty cool. Yeah. We are not sponsored by them. <laughs> I just, you know, had to throw it out there. Yeah, they're really cool. Um, I've used them before as well. 
and this is this is the perfect exercise to 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 do that sort of reflective slow reading because i mean honestly like like everything we just talked about which we could continue to go on is just like slowing down and reading you know like that's it you know like that's that's i think just like probably the the number one most important like tool that i think we have slowing it, down <laughs> is, is to just it, it when it, it like not the number one tool we have period <laughs> what i'm <laughs> the number one tool we have to 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 start d- digging into the word mm. more right is to to first just slow down you know read it once a day for a week read it multiple times in a row you, you know all the above like it's just you, you start to see these things that are right there when you slow down that you don't see otherwise. And you don't need, you know, six hours and a library, you know, that you have access to. And, like, you don't need all of that to slow down and reflectively read and see what see what's there. So, yeah, I just, I, mm. yeah, really excited for this month and yeah. um, just love Jonah, so... So yeah, I think that's a good place to wrap it up. <laughs> cool. Well, we'll we'll close with a word of prayer, and then we'll talk about what you're reading, and then we'll uh, we'll wrap it up. So, uh, this is called God All Sufficient. Comes from the Valley of Vision. It says, "O Lord of Grace, the world is before me this day, and I am weak and I am fearful, but I look to Thee for strength. If I venture forth alone, I stumble and I fall, but on the Beloved's arms I am firm as the eternal hills." If left to the treachery of my heart, I shall shame thy name. But if, lightened, if enlightened, guided, and upheld by thy spirit, I shall bring thee glory. Be thou my arm to support, my strength to stand, my light to see, my feet to run, my shield to protect, my sword to repel, my sun to warm. To enrich me will not diminish thy fullness. All thy loving kindness is in thy son. I bring him Uh, I bring him to thee in the arms of faith. I urge his saving name as one who died for me. I plead his blood to pay my debts of wrong. Accept his worthiness for my unworthiness, his sinlessness for my transgressions, his purity for my uncleanness, his sincerity for my guile, his filth from, or sorry, (laughs) his truth for my deceits, his meekness for my pride, his constancy for my backslidings, his love for my enmity, his fullness for my emptiness, his faithfulness for my treachery, his obedience for my lawlessness, his glory for my shame, his devotedness for my waywardness, his holy life for my unchaste ways, his righteousness for my uh, for my dead works, and his death for my life forever. Amen. Amen, amen. What are you reading? Bro. <laughs> dude it's oh so it was a gift from my mother-in-law so if you're listening i know you listened to a couple episodes i want to say thank you um for listening and for the book but she got me <laughs> for christmas um jesus and john wayne um so i don't know if you've been seeing that make its rounds around twitter a little bit here and there um but it's i forget the subtitle it's something like how even how white evangelicals have, have hijacked a faith and disrupted a nation something like that look up jesus and john wayne and you'll see it um, but it's a really fascinating book it's it's by a woman named Kristen um dumay i believe 
um, who is a historian. She's, um, I think she's a, a Christian. She's, um, I don't know if you'd call her a theologian um, in the strict sense, but um, everyone's a theologian, as we learned last <laughs> week. Um, but she, she basically, right? She basically traces um, from the post-war, um, so post-World War II to present day, um, the themes, the, the major events, the things that have transpired that have allowed us to get to where we are in our present like political climate. Um, you know, so how we've gotten, um, you know, where, where Christian nationalism is a thing, where um, Christianity is about, you know, faith, football, and family, or uh, whatever. Like all these ideologies that maybe you don't personally hold, but people that you know probably hold. Um, it's fascinating to read about like Billy Graham and Jerry Falwell and James Dobson and, um, oh man, um, like Jimmy Carter and uh, JFK and Ronald Reagan, like all these big names, all these players, both politically and theologically, and how like their pursuit of power or fame or prestige or the different things that they were seeking played a role in bringing us to where we are today. Like it's just, it's fascinating. Like I said, it's a history. It's not just like a, um, a biased account. Like it, it, I think it's pretty fair. It's pretty transparent in um, showing, you know, all sides of what's going on, but I'm, I'm only about halfway through, but it, it is, it is like very eye opening to, to recognize, um, you know, I had no idea that like, up until Roe v. Wade, like a lot of Christians actually like were pretty okay with abortion in the yep. sense that it was like, um, you know, for a woman who was in peril or um, in the cases of incest or rape. Um, and maybe some people still believe that who are Christians today. But if I had to bet, most Christians are just like absolutely against abortion in all cases. Um, but it wasn't until I, I can't remember. I've read so much in a couple of days. I, can, I can't keep all the details straight, but um, it was basically like a political move that someone wanted to make um, to to bolster their campaign. And so they, they, they flipped from being a Democrat to being a Republican, and their platform was to be, um, um, you know, pro-family, anti-abortion, um, all about, like, the, the nucle- nuclear family. Um, and that, again, made waves throughout history, and it, it's, it plays a, a role in, in how we think today. So it's just fascinating. If nothing else, it's very interesting. It's it's worth your time to read and to read charitably and with like a somewhat open mind that maybe some of what has seeped into our consciousness as a nation right now um, didn't come from the best roots and um, maybe isn't the best ideologies to be perpetuating. And please do not hear me as saying that I think abortion is okay. I'm talking about this whole book generally, not that specifically. Um, I do think that abortion is wrong and, and we, we need to, to work to fight against it. And um, there are better ways to have that conversation than there had, for sure. Um, but yeah, if nothing else, very interesting. But but what are you reading, Lucas, before I put my foot in my mouth? <laughs> um, I have seen that book and I have... it. It's There's always too much to read. So it's, it's you know, it's not like it's... On, I wouldn't say it's on my list so much as... It does. It, it. I've. Whenever I've seen it come up, it does sound super interesting. Because um, I've read a few books like similar to that um, in different, with different focuses that I think are always very valuable reads. Um, uh, just looking, you know, historically, just kind of surveying, you know, the last hundred years. It's a very. There's a lot of stuff there for sure, uh, and a lot of different fields and different you know focuses but 
truthfully, I'm not really re. I haven't been reading much. So so as we're recording this tomorrow Boo. tomorrow morning, I start a three week three week Jan term class before the spring semester starts Ooh. in the last week of of January. So I will be reading, um, uh, uh, a book for that class as well as writing some papers and whatnot. Um, but honestly, I've been so. Long story, but the short version. Last week was just a rough week for me personally. And then we, at the end of the week, Lynn and I went and traveled to visit family for New Year's. So we were, you know, driving late here and there and out late with, with cousins and, at, you know, New Year's party and all that kind of stuff. So um, coming back, we came back, we got back late Saturday night. Um, today, tonight's Monday. So, so on Sunday and then uh, you know, yesterday morning and then this morning, um, I've just been really, really like savoring just my time in the morning with the Bible and the and the BCP, the the only two books you need. And <laughs> um, the Bible is the only book you need, and if you need one more, it's the BCP, and the rest follow. But um, just just. Just really savoring the just the the time of of prayer and reading and um, so I you know I don't that doesn't really count as something I'm reading in the in the same it way counts. that, that the spirit the spirit of this segment but um but I am also really a big fan of um it it the the 2019's lectionary daily office lectionary link you know so on January first. We, you know, the old, te- in the mornings, the Old Testament reading started in Genesis 1, you know, on New, Revelation ended, and so we're back to Genesis, and, um, but, but, so Genesis 1 is paired with John 1, hmm. and so, like, that's cool, to, to, and then it's going down, and, like, so today, it was, it was, it was Genesis 4, no, yeah, yeah, yesterday was Genesis 3 and John 2, so it was the fall and the wedding at Cana. Ooh. That's an episode cool. right there. Like, like <laughs> I, I haven't talked to you about this, but like that for real is probably like we should add that to the. And then today is Genesis four, Cain and Abel, and um, John three one through twenty one. So the conversation with Nicodemus, and then it stops before the the next uh, story mm. in that chapter. Um, but it's just, it's just, uh, it's it's a mate like reading, just like I was gonna say read the Bible with with a lectionary like yes but but just read the do the daily office just read the bible please (laughs) and for your own edification like read it follow the daily office lectionary even if you're not praying the whole office because if you're not reading canonically you're just you know other than reading slowly reading the book that is the bible as a book not just 66 other books that are smaller Man, man, I, it's I, big. Yeah, the fall and the wedding at Cana. Pff, you, you've got, you've got, just in the Bible, you've got Mariology, sacramentology, Jesus, salvation, the fall. I mean, I mean, you you have everything. <laughs> it's like never would have put these two chapters together <laughs> just in my own reading and just thinking. Right. And it's like so, like just to to. You, you put two chapters next to each other and you just 
it all fits together because it all fits together, you know, kind of like we're mm. talking about just with, with within Jonah, even just this connections that you see when you, when you're looking for them, that's true across all of scripture and even, you know, fancy word intertextually between other, you know, separate works of, of writing or whatever. But so, yeah, I don't know. I, I kind of pulled that one out of thin air, but I, but no, um, that's good. I like it. Yeah. Yeah. Well, go I read, think- like you too. Like I, I didn't think of this until, but like, go read Genesis three and John two. I plan like, to tomorrow morning. I like will. next week. Like it's so it it was it blew my mind. Nice. <laughs> well, I I will close. Thank you for making it this far. Um, I wanted to say thank you. Every month that we've been a podcast, February, March, April, May, June, up until today. We have increased our listenership and our downloads each and every month. Like we've never taken a dip in our listenership. So Man. I just want to like say thank you because we we're just two dudes who who are friends. Just we love theology. Guys being dudes, you know. Yeah, we're just guys just being dudes. dudes literally being just guys. vibing. Dudes right. rock. And to think that people tune in to listen, to download, to share, to comment, whatever, um, it means a lot yeah, to us. And we have big things in store for 2021 um, and beyond. I hope so. Um, you know, we got some fun, some fun <laughs> interviews maybe in the works. We got some um, some other ideas that we're vibing on. You know, whatever we're we're throwing around, tossing just like the, the pigskin. Um, so we're uh, we'll hit you up with those things um, soon enough. Maybe follow our newsletter if you want some insider access. Um, but but thank you truly. Yeah. Um, if you'd like to connect with us, if you want to know um, what we're up to on Twitter and Instagram, follow us at Doxology Podcast. Um, you can email us at doxologypodcast at gmail.com. We always welcome your feedback, your questions, any episode ideas that you have. Um, even if the feedback is you know, negative, if you want to tell us how awful we are, please do. Um, we'd love to hear from you. Peace. See you.